This morning, we're going to be closing out, as Joel just mentioned, a series called Running on Empty. And we've been looking at this like frantic life that, that we can often live in a frantic world. And uh, we can forget to slow down and really uh, keep check of our emotions, of the things that are happening. And, and we can actually uh, begin to have a darkened heart, uh, which we'll get into in just a little bit. And so today, we're going we're gonna to talk about how to take that emptiness and, and change it for a life full of worship. And so that's my goal uh, today is, is to break down uh, one scripture, really, uh, Psalm 150. And we'll be, we'll be starting there uh, this morning. Um, but before we do, a lot of us are entering in. Uh, Joel actually just mentioned this. We're entering into a time that can get frantic. Uh, it's back to school season. And this can uh, be the time of year where we just got done with the long break. And, and you probably heard some of the, the parents around you go, ah, that's right. So some of us have started school last week. Some of us are starting school next week. And some of us homeschool our kids. And that can be a whole different uh, dimension added to, the, to the, the franticness. And so uh, that's speaking from experience. I see that relation uh, in my house a lot. We homeschool, and, and my wife uh, often has things going on. And I'm like, oh, man, we need to handle that. And so we, uh, today, I just wanted to briefly, before we, we start, I want to pray uh, just for back-to-school season. I want to pray for the children. I want to pray for the teachers. Uh, I want to pray for the parents. And so let's pray together for, for our back-to-school here. God, we, we just lift up. Uh, the students who are starting a fresh school year, uh, will you just grant them just wisdom, just perseverance, and a hunger to learn? Uh, guide their minds to, to just lean, learn, and their hearts to just understand uh, the value of, of, of what they're doing. This, the education that can, in, it's just empowering them to use their gifts to make a positive impact uh, in this world. God, we also just pray uh, for parents of these students. We grant, will you grant them just the patience and, and strength and wisdom uh, as they just support their kids and, and just take care of them and, and care for them uh, in this, uh, this school year ahead. Help them to just uh, be attentive listeners, caring encouragers, faithful examples uh, to guide their, their children forward uh, in the right direction. And Lord, we'll, we just also bring the teachers before you. We, we just, those dedicated to just bettering the next generation and shaping their minds. Will you bless them just abundantly with uh, just creativity, compassion, and the ability to, to really motivate their students? Uh, grant them just energy, as well as, uh, as dealing with kids can be tiresome, and, and just surround them with understanding and patient colleagues as well in supportive uh, school community. And we just lift up the homeschool families, those who are, are choosing to educate their children at home. We just pray for them, for, for just their students can grow, uh, just intellectually that their families can grow together, and just help them to celebrate the joy of witnessing uh, the growth and, and the progress of, of their children. We just pray for safe uh, environments at our schools where students can just grow intellectually, socially, and just protect them, Lord. Protect them uh, in this school year. And to all this in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So we're going to get uh, going here. I, this psalm is one of my favorites. Um, it's, it's the very end, Psalm 150. Uh, there's 149 before this, and Psalm 150 really closes it out by, by reminding us that we should be praising the Lord in it all, through it all, at the end of it all. We need to praise God. And so... This is one of my favorites. I remember one time I read this psalm, and I uh, brought it to a friend. I said, you know what? I can't think of a time, actually, where it's not a good time to, to praise the Lord, to just stop what you're doing and say, praise the Lord. And this is one of those friends who often has, like, he's like the devil's advocate. He's like, well, I can think of a time. And he told me this story. So I thought I'd share it with you guys. He's a, there's a preacher, and he's selling a horse, and he's trained these horses in a particular way. So if they want to go, you have to say, praise the Lord. And if you want them to stop, you have to say, amen. And the the preacher had, had uh, trained these horses in this way. So a man comes and says, hey, I'd like to buy your horse. Can I take it for a test ride? And he says, sure, go ahead. Here's the commands. Just keep these in mind as you're riding. 
And he says, okay, that's, that's easy enough. So he gets on the horse and he says, praise the Lord. And the horse goes right away. He says, wow, that's a well-trained horse. And so he gets going and he's like, hey, this is a good pace, but let's speed it up. And he says, praise the Lord again. And the horse gets going really fast. And he's like, man, I want to buy this horse. And so just then a, a bunny rabbit comes running out of the bushes and spooks the horse and the horse takes off uh, right to a cliff. And he says, oh no, he's pulling back on the reins. Whoa, 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 stop, stop. And the horse will not stop. Then he remembers the, the command, and he says, amen. And the horse stops on a dime right at the edge of the cliff. By this time, the man's sweating. He's anxious. He takes a deep breath and says, oh, praise the Lord. And that was his example of the only time it wouldn't be good to say praise the Lord. But I, but I disagree. At least he went out praising God. And so um, this series is called Running on Empty, and, and it's a frantic. Have you ever come to church, and it's taken you a few minutes to just uh, get into worship? Like, you feel a little stifled, like you're stuck. Have you ever felt like that? Uh, come and clean as your worship leader. I've had mornings like that where it takes me a while to really refocus on the attributes of God before I can fully feel like, oh, that's right. That's what I'm here to do. And, and it takes me a while, and you can just really feel that burden. And so uh, sorry for that terrible dad joke I just told, but when I was in college, I had a teacher that said, hey, if you're giving a speech, it was a, a, a public speaking class, and she said, if you're giving a speech that if you tell a good joke or show a picture of your family, people are 60% more likely to listen to what you have to say. And so since that was a bad joke, here's a picture of my family. Um, <laughs> cover my bases here. So this is my wife, Jessie. She's up there. Uh, uh, that's me holding our son, Nolan. Uh, next to me is Paisley, and there's Tegan. So if you didn't know me or my family, actually, Jessie and I are celebrating our 11-year anniversary in four days. Yeah, praise God. Bless Jessie. And uh, there's um, also one on the way. We have a, we're expecting our fourth child here in November. And so uh, frantic is a good word. As, a, as, as I prepared for this and read through Psalm 150 again and just really tried to unpack what it's telling us, I, um, because we're having our fourth child, I just had to sell my truck. And we'll get more into this in a minute. But as I was selling that, I realized, like, man, I was really attached to that truck. I might have been near, near worshiping that truck. I worked really hard for this truck, and we have to get a van because we're outgrowing our truck. So I sold my dream truck to buy a minivan, but um, I'm calling it the man van. And so we're going we're gonna to make the best of it. And it's really uh, freed me from, from just like holding on to it so tight. I don't know what it was, but this has been a, a blessing to be preparing for this sermon, uh, just to be real with you guys. It's really blessed me, so I hope it can be helpful to you. But anyway, let, let's read Psalm 150. It says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his mighty deeds. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with trumpet sound. Praise him with lute and harp. Praise him with tambourine and dance. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with sounding cymbals. Praise him with loud crashing cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So this is, again, one of my favorite psalms. It comes at the end, and it's perfectly placed by those who uh, just put together all of Israel's just prayers and meditations and songs, it's perfectly placed at the end. As you read through the Psalms, you'll see that there's 149 real-life stories, real-life journeys that people have gone through, and it's like a roller coaster. It's like, you know, you, you'll hear David, who's one of the psalmists, he'll say things like, uh, Lord, how long will we be at our enemy's dispense, or stuff like that? And he's like, he's like God, what's taking you so, so long to deliver us from our enemies? And then the very next sentence, he'll say, God, we revel and bask in your greatness. And you're just like, hey, David, what's going on? We're not used to that, like, 
that heartfelt. It's, it's kind of amazing that God let us get that deep into David's heart. It's like you get to see real life. He's going through real life. And what, what 150 does after 149 of those, Psalm 150 reminds us that in it all, through it all, and after it all, we are going to praise God and God alone. And that is like the promise to hold on to from this. So Psalm 150 does answer us five questions that we're going to look at today. Five questions in particular. It answers these. Who do we worship? Where do we worship? Why do we worship? How do we worship? And who is invited to worship? And so we'll be digging through these today uh, together. So let's look at the first question. Who do we worship? And as I mentioned, there's this this book of, of Psalms is so many different genres, so many different seasons of life. They deal with things like depression and darkness and, and anxiety and despair. It deals with real life situations. It's, it's fully aware of those. And then, you know, we're not used to, to seeing things like this. So people start to think like, man, how could they be so high and so low at the same time? Well, they're living life. And in turn, it's all pointing us back to worship God. And so in it all, through it all, and at the end of it all, we should praise God. So my greatest hope this morning is that you see that, that not just the Psalms, but the Bible, the Psalms today will, will impact you and it can impact your life. It can help you deal with every single part of your life. As you go through the Psalms, one thing I was taught um, early in, uh, maybe like three years ago, as I just got hired on here, somebody said, hey, you should pray through the Psalms. I was like, what does that mean? He's like, well, you know, start at Psalm 1 and, and the, the things that the psalmist is going through, add in the things that you're going through the things that the psalmist is praising God for, add in the things you're praising God for. And man, that was so helpful and practical that it took the, the psalms to a whole nother thing. And then later I downloaded an app that sings the psalms, and I listened to those in my car. And as I began to realize, the more I sang it, the more I kept my eyes focused on, on the scriptures and on the things that God promises and the things that other people had gone through in, in scripture. He gave them those for a reason, and I could recall those things. And because I was focused on the attributes of God and the things he's done in my life, because I'd been praying through the Psalms, when, when hard things would happen or I'd make a bad decision, I'd be able to recall really quickly because it was on the forefront of my mind who I was to be praising. And so uh, praise the Lord is what uh, this passage is telling us to worship, is, is to praise God and God alone. We, are, we as humans are going to worship something. Uh, if if, you, if you're going to love something, right? That's, that's just who we are. That's who we were created to be. And so I want to ask you a question. What do you love? What, what really gets you fired up? Like what, when's the last time you got fired up about something? Just think in your head. There, there's a lot of things in this world that can get us fired up. It could be um, our favorite baseball team. That happens to me sometimes, admittedly. Uh, news. Was it news that got you fired up? Politics, the guy that cut you off on the freeway. Starbucks line was too long because maybe we're, we're worshiping our, ourself a little bit and we want to, we you know, have our coffee when we want it, how we want it, at the time we want it, at the temperature we want it. And uh, maybe that got you fired up. They made your drink wrong. So what are these things that you love? And, and what Romans 1 will tell us in just a few moments is, is that as we take the eye, eyes off of what really is the truth and what we should really love, we actually, our hearts, our foolish hearts have been darkened. So there's this relationship who, where we're supposed to be worshiping our God and God alone, but sin has gotten the way and now we worship the things of this world. We worship ourselves, we worship idols and, and just all kinds of other things that have no place in the way it was created. And so Romans 1, 18 through 25, let's take a look at this. 
It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. So you love something, but you suppress what is most lovely. Verse 19 continues, for what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and his divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they're without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking. Look how this, this verse ends. This is what we were just talking about. It says, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So as their eyes turned from God, the one they were supposed to be praising and worshiping, their foolish hearts became darkened. We begin to love the things we shouldn't and forget to love the things that we should. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up to their lusts and their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and what? Worshipped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever and amen. And so the Bible knows that we love things. It knows that we give praise and adoration to things. It knows we are created to worship and find satisfaction in the things we worship. It also knows that we default. By default, we will always worship the wrong thing. If we let our mind just sit idle, we will end up worshiping the wrong things. But Psalm 150 says, praise the Lord. And it gives us an object to praise. 13 times in six verses, it says praise. And every time there's an object, and that Lord is not just your typical king Lord. This is Yahweh, the same God, uh, the same Lord that was used to Moses at the burning bush, Yahweh, when he said, I am who I am. And this is 13 times. So if we were to ask that question, who are we supposed to worship? I think Psalm 150 makes it pretty clear. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Next slide, verse 4. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so 13 times in six verses, it tells us who to praise, and that is to praise God and God alone. And so that was the the first question of of this morning is, who do we praise? We praise God and God alone. The the greatest truth, uh, according to this, this Psalm 150, the greatest truth about God is he is worthy of our worship, and the greatest truth about us is we were created to worship him and him alone. You see, we're never more self aware. This is a fill-in-the-blank on your uh, listening guide. We are never more self-aware than when we are worshiping God. Because as we worship God and we focus our attention on his attributes, things change in our life, and we begin to see the things that don't belong there. Because as we fill fill our lives with him and we focus on him, we begin to notice, like, ooh, that doesn't belong. That's sin. That needs to go. And and he starts to reveal things in our lives. But you're never more self-deceived than when you're worshiping something else because you say, oh, but this makes me feel so good. Where the Bible's saying, no, that's not good for you at all, but you've lost sight of that because your foolish heart is bent in on itself. It's darkened. And so you're never more self-deceived than when you're worshiping things other than God. And so this is like the truth to hold on to this morning. This is actually the question we're going to spend the most time on is who, who, who are we to worship is praise God and God alone. Because in this fast-paced, crazy world, it is so easy to squirrel, run away, right? And be distracted and say, oh man, that's right. I'm a Christian. I'm, I worship God and, 
and I just was over here doing that. Why am I doing that? But if we don't have our minds focused and, and set on him, then it, it's, a dangerous, it's a dangerous thing because naturally, as Romans 1 was saying, is, as we don't do that, uh, we naturally will just worship the wrong things. And so uh, one thing that's scary to me about that is, is I admit I, I've worshipped the wrong things in my life. I just mentioned my truck having a little bit too much of a hold on me and, and being a little emotional. But there's been other things in my life. But the scary thing is, is according to that Romans 1, it's, it's true. And I also don't remember making the decision to do that. I remember that I did it, but I don't remember like saying, oh, that's right, I need to do this. It's just instinctive, and it happens. And I'm sure you guys can relate to that. When you've made the wrong decision or, or you've done the wrong thing or you start to, to praise things a little too much and start to worship uh, things that aren't God, you, you get to that point and you go, what am I doing? But you don't, you don't decide necessarily. Like there's no moment in my mind where I remember making that decision. So who do we worship? Praise God and God alone. So now where do we worship? Praise the Lord, verse uh, 1 continues. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Well, that might sound like, hey, I just got to praise him on Sunday. Sanctuary in the mighty heavens. I'm not in heaven yet. But no, what, what this is saying is, is like all of creation. The, the Bible's pretty like loose on sanctuary. It's all of creation. Every blade of grass, every grain of sand, every star in the heaven, all of creation is to worship God. So therefore, if he created it, he should be worshiped in it. And so creation is where we worship God, in everything, with everything. Praise him in his sanctuary and praise him in his mighty heavens. Not just on Sunday morning, not just at C group, community group, on uh, Wednesday, Tuesday, Monday, Thursday, whichever day you're doing it. Not just then, but in everything at all times, wherever you are. Praise God. So uh, we, we have this, like, secular divide where we come to church on Sunday, and that's where it ends. But that can't be where it ends, because God is much bigger than that, and he wants to have the center of your life. So if you imagine like, like a, a pizza or a pie, he doesn't want just a slice. He wants the center, and he wants to be prominent in every slice of your life. So if you have finances, and, and you have your job, and you have your family, he wants the center of that. He wants the point. And so when we decide to do that, that's when life really changes. But we can't compartmentalize him to just a box on Sunday. We can't just say, you know what, it's really easy to worship him here on Sunday, so I'm going to do that. But no, because it's a lot harder to worship him in the boardroom on Monday or maybe um, at when you're late to ballet class on Wednesday or when you're stuck in traffic on the Cajon Pass on Friday. It's really hard to worship him in those moments. But, but we, we come here, we worship. This is like a dress rehearsal for the rest of our life, for the rest of the week. We should come here excited to praise God because we've seen him work in our life through the week. We've seen what he does. And we should come in here into the, the church sanctuary and really praise him with all we got because he's on the mind. He, he's there. It shouldn't take two or three songs. It shouldn't take us to have to really focus in or, or you know, it shouldn't take a cup of coffee. It, it, should take, it should be natural to worship him as we come in together because we've been doing it all week long. And so where do we worship him? Praise him in his creation. We have to get rid of that secular divide. It doesn't end here. It goes into, into the week. It goes into the months. It goes into the, the, the life. Because God is not a, a resource to be rationed, but rather he, he's an inexhaustible well that continues to satisfy. 
And if that's true, then what we would be doing if we worshiped on Sunday and not the rest of the week is we'd be cutting ourselves short of this relationship, this opportunity to be in relationship with him. I want to tell a story about a circus a long time ago. Uh, This is way before any of us. Um, But this little boy was dying to go to the circus, and his dad said, you know what, Um, the circus uh, is a little bit expensive for us right now, and I don't think you can go. And he said, Dad, I'll do anything to be able to go to that circus. And he gave him that, you know, that universal dad answer, we'll see. That really means probably not. And he said, we'll see, son. And so a month goes by, and he says, Dad, the circus is coming into town next week. And I want to go so bad. What do I have to do? He said, you know what, son, clean up the, 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 the farm, you know, feed the animals, get your bedroom cleaned up, clean the kitchen, and uh, we'll, we'll see if we can get you uh, some money to go to the circus. So the boy wakes up early the day of the circus, and he gets everything done, and he goes to his dad and said, Dad, can I go to the circus now? His dad said, yes, here's a dollar. Go to the circus, get yourself a treat. That will tell you how long ago this story was, because now a dollar's not going to get you into the circus or a treat. It's probably like 30 bucks for popcorn. But you want to, he says, okay, I'm going to go. And he goes to the circus. He sees the tent. He sees the parade of, of people coming in. He sees this huge crowd. And he says, man, this is amazing. It's everything I hoped. He sees acrobats. He sees animals, elephants, zebras, monkeys. He sees it all. And then at the end, he sees these clowns. And they're juggling. And, and they're making people laugh. And he's just like, this is amazing. I'm through the roof. So when he sees the clown, the last clown goes by. He runs up, gives him his dollar, and he goes home. When he gets home, his dad says, what are you home so early for? It's only 9.55. The circus starts at 10. He said, Dad, I saw everything. It was amazing. I was, there was uh, clowns, and, and there was monkeys. And his dad says, well, you missed the whole thing. And so this is kind of the same uh, aspect, right? We're going to come on Sunday and, and have an experience with God and then leave it and, and go into the world and let our foolish hearts be darkened by this crazy, chaotic world. And so don't, don't let it stop here on Sunday. Go out and use your tools, use your gifts, praise God with them. And so that'll lead us, we, we've talked about who, we've talked about where, and now let's talk about why. Verse 2 says, praise him for his mighty deeds, praise him according to his excellent greatness. His mighty deeds and his excellent greatness. Now the psalmist is pointing us back. He's saying, hey, you know what, focus, focus on the scripture. Focus on what he's done. Focus on his greatness. Where do we find that? We find that as we have a relationship with him. We find that in scriptures. We find that as we worship him through the week, not just on Sunday. The reason we praise and worship God is because of his attributes. Worship isn't about us. It's about him and him alone. It's about God who gave us life. It's about God who sent his son to free us from sin. And now we are are to worship God and those things. And so if you were to ask me, this, this is a, a relationship thing. The closer we grow to God and the more we spend time with him, the more we have his attributes on the front of our mind. And so if you were to ask me, why do you love Jesse? Why do you love your wife? I would have things off the top of my head immediately. I wouldn't have to study. I wouldn't have to take time to research. I would know. I love her because she's a great teacher. She's a great wife. She's a great mom. She's a great, just strong woman. She's brave. She's amazing uh, to little ones who she loves to, to train up and teach. There's many things, and I didn't have to study those. I know those because I've spent time with her. It's the same reason I know the things that, that irritate me a little bit about her. It's the same concept. So the more time you spend, I spend a lot of time with my family, and I know why I love them. I know uh, what, what it is that draws me to them. And so if you, were to, if you were to ask me, 
Why do you love God? If I was to ask you why you love God, would you have an answer right off the top of your head? Or would it take you some time to think, yeah, why do I go to church? Why do I worship? If, if you had a friend um, and you were out with them and they said, hey, you've been going to church a lot. Why are you doing that? Would you have an answer off the top of your head? I hope so. Because the cross is enough, right? Like all I know is Christ and Christ crucified. That's one. But there's so many attributes. And the closer you draw to God, the more you'll see those uh, come up in your life. And you'll see just like, man, he really is amazing. This isn't just an empty gospel that, that we are sharing with the world. It's not just a generic thing. This is life-changing. And there's so many attributes. From the top of my head, he's eternal. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's, he's good. He's got grace. He loves. He has mercy. I mean, that's just a few. He sent his son on the cross to save me from sin. These are all things that we can share with the world. We can worship through just knowing why we, why we worship him. And so why do we worship? It becomes easy, if we've been talking about in this whole series, to just let ourselves run on empty, to just go through life and, and say, you know what, this is the next thing I have to do. I'm tired and worn out, but I have to do it. But what if we started our day a little different? What if we uh, took a deep breath, like the end of the psalm says, everything that has breath, praise the Lord, and say, thank you, Lord, for that breath. Thank you, Lord, that I have a family that I can support through my job that, that you've provided. Thank you, God. What if we lived our life a lot like the psalmist and through the hard times and through the trouble and through the joy and everything led to praise? So why do we praise God? Because of his mighty deeds and his excellent greatness. It's not just greatness, it's excellent greatness. So let's talk about how, uh, how we worship God. Verse 3 uh, through verse 5. It says this, praise him with trumpet sound, praise him with lute and harp, praise him with tambourine and dance, praise him with strings and pipe, praise him with sounding cymbals, praise him with loud crashing cymbals. Uh, so today, Kids Zone is uh, actually going to take home cymbals and, and bang them on the way home in acts of worship. So you guys are welcome. No, I'm just kidding. They're not going to do that. Um, but, you know, as, as you look uh, through this at how, how do we worship we, we really can look at that and say, well, like, like it's a checklist. Like we're going to have to have trumpets and, and a lute and, and some harps and uh, cymbals. The drummers, they love this passage. They're like, I can beat the cymbals as loud as I can, right? But, but what it's saying is like, hey, whatever's in your hand, praise him with it. Whatever tool you have, praise God. So you might not play the harp. You might not be able to dance. I, I can't dance. Well, I can, but I choose not to. Praise him with sounding... Praising with sounding symbols, like we don't have to bang symbols everywhere we go and say, hey, look, yeah, we're praising God. No, whatever he's given you, if he's given you a talent, use it for the glory of God with whatever tool you have in your hand. What we like to do sometimes is take our tools that we have and we put them up on the shelf and we let them get dusty and we go about life and we're like, man, I feel so empty. I, I never get to do that thing anymore. But what, but what we should be doing is using that daily, like, hey, this is a tool. So if God has given you the, the gift of, of just hospitality, use your house. Invite people over. Invest in them. Be generous. If, you're, if your gift is generosity, use resources. If it's money or, or whatever it is, be generous. If he's given you hands, serve. There, there is about 30 people this morning right now that are worshiping right now. There, there's some teaching the gospel to our kids in Kids Zone. 
There's some that are trying to follow me along this sermon, trying to keep these slides up here because a lot of times I'm all over the place. And then there's, there's people with the camera and, and the, making sure the sound is on. These people are using gifts they have. So with everything you have, whatever he's given you, worship him with it. Don't just put it on the shelf and say, yeah, there's no place for that. I don't know how to, how to worship, worship with that. So how do we worship with whatever God has given you? Worship him with whatever he's given you. The last question uh, that this, this uh, passage answers is, who is invited to worship? Who is invited to worship? Verse 6 answers, answers this final question. It says, everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. That means all of us, all of creation is invited to praise God. Actually, that's the end of everything. Every nation and tongue praising God. So maybe you're here today, and you've been coming around Ridgeview for a while, and you're like, this whole worship thing is weird. Cool. I would love to talk to you about it at the back. Or maybe you haven't decided to follow Jesus with your whole life. Maybe he's still kind of a compartment. Maybe you have questions. We'd love to answer those for you at the back in the next step area. The staff will be back there, as Joel mentioned, and we'd love to talk, talk you through things, whatever you have going on in your life. If you need answers as to what it means to follow Christ. If you're not sure where you stand, if you don't know if you're a Christian or not, we'd love to walk you through that as well. But every, all of creation, everything that has breath should be praising God and God alone. That's our mission. We want to invite people into this. We want to invite people in to a refreshing life, not just in a refreshing life with us, but with Christ, so that they too can worship a God with everything in everything at the end of everything. And so, if you have those questions, please come see us. We'd love to, to walk you through that. So, I'm going to close today. This is my first close. Pastors get three of those. So, well, this is my first closing. We're going to close today with um, looking at this word breath. It says that everything that has breath, praise the Lord. Now, this word breath is an interesting word because it's, it's kind of woven through the Scripture all the way from generous generous, Genesis to uh, Revelation. And we want to we look through um, some passages that talk about this breath. So everything that has breath, praise the Lord. So first we see it in Genesis 2-7. This is in, in the garden and, and the beginning of all things here, here in Genesis 2-7. The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. And so at the very beginning, God breathed life into Adam, and that breath uh, was there. And there's this relationship, and then sin uh, breaks this relationship apart, which leads to Mark 15, 33 through 37. You can read the whole passage uh, on your own, but this passage ends, this is Jesus being crucified, and at the end of this, it says in Mark 15, uh, 37, it says, with a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. And so the breath of life that was breathed into Adam is now Jesus in the flesh, breathing out his last on the cross for our sin. And we all know that, that, that it didn't end there. Jesus rose again. And after he rose again, he went to his uh, people in John 20, 21 through 22. Again, Jesus said this, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. So what I want you to leave here today is knowing that this is not a generic gospel. 
This is the breath of life given to, to Adam in the very beginning, taken from Jesus on the cross, breathed into us through the Holy Spirit. We want to share this. The breath in our lungs should be used to praise God and God alone. And we're going to close this, ser- this service out this, this morning singing a song that speaks to this. It says that this is the breath in our lungs. We praise you. If we live our life according to, to these scriptures that we've been reading, knowing that it is this breath, if we all just went, ah, together, that's something to praise him for. We always have things to praise God for because he's excellent greatness and his mighty deeds in our life. Can we lose sight of those things? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we can. We can forget that we're even breathing. Be so stressed out and anxious. But God promises this peace that surpasses understanding as we focus on him and his ways. And so um, I want to close this morning, second close, Revelation 5.13. This is the end of everything. And as as I said at the beginning, Uh, Psalm 150 shows that in it all, through it all, and at the end of it all, we will be praising God. And actually, Revelation ends in a similar way. It says, all I heard, and uh, not all I heard, and I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And so, in it all, through it all, and at the end of it all, we'll be praising God. And we want to invite every possible person we can uh, into this, this life-changing, so that they don't have to run on empty. If you look around, you'll see a lot of people stuck in the rat race of our world, focused on accomplishments and and the next uh, big thing in their life, how much money we can make, how far we can get in a career, what politician to choose, caught up in something that's going nowhere. But when it really, in, in, in reality, according to, to God's word, if we live our life focused on this, knowing that in it all, through it all, and at the end of it all, we'll be praising God, that can make a big impact. And so we have some next steps that'll be up here on the screen. We encourage you to take these next steps. Your connection card, you want to let us know you're taking one of these next steps. We'll be praying for you. We aren't going to follow up and be like, hey, are you doing that? But we'll pray for you as you do that, uh, take these next steps. But Um, The first one is identify the mighty deeds in your life that can fuel a life of praise. So maybe you haven't spent much time uh, just kind of thinking about that. Like, what are the things in my life that that God has done in the past uh, beyond just like saving me from sin? But what are those extra things that I remember and and there are key moments in my life where I saw God come through? Keep note of those. Because as you keep note of those, when uh, things happen in your life, when you have more circumstances piled up, I think I missed a point up there, but... You know, when we come in stifled to worship, like we, we have a hard time worshiping, it's because we, we've taken our attention off the, the character of God and we've focused on our circumstances alone. And so we really, um, as you do this, you, you'll find it easier to, to focus on the characters of God because you know what he's done in your life and it's on the forefront, not in the back seat. The second next step is begin to use the instrument God has given you. Take it off the shelf and use it in your life. Um, team up with us. If you, if you have an ability to serve, we would love to, to have you serve with us. We set this up and tear this down every week, so there's plenty of ways to help. Um, we have Kid Zone and all kinds of just opportunities to help and serve here, and so we invite you to, to use an instrument. If it's not here and you got another gift, use it, use it at work. If you have a relational ability, uh, talk to people, you know, spread the love of God through that. 
Use your, your gifts for the glory of God. The last is uh, just read a psalm a day. I mentioned that, that I would, you know, do this. Uh, I've been doing this for a few years. Read a psalm a day and just see how that, that can impact your life and, and really focus in on, man, where can I um, praise God and, and what's in my heart that I need to let go of? And so, um, and then the last, last, last uh, is come back. Next week, we're launching a new series. It's called Joy in the Journey. Uh, we have a graphic up here for it. Um, this is, uh, we're celebrating five-year anniversary next week, and um, this is be the launch of a series that really looks at the joy that we can find as we serve God in our community and uh, where we've been and where we're going as a church. So don't miss this. This is a great, um, it's going to be a great just series of, of just seven weeks of highlighting uh, just all the joy that we've found as we've uh, done ministry here in North Fontana and the surrounding communities, and then where we're headed and how uh, we see uh, opportunities. And so join us for that. We're going to close out. The band's going to come up and uh, sing one last song. We're going to receive this morning's offering, and we'll sing uh, one more uh, song together. So let's pray. God, we, we thank you for just worship. We, we thank you for the gifts and just the amazing uh, deeds and greatness that you have. And Lord, we just pray that we'd focus on that and so that our, our hearts aren't darkened uh, to you and we don't fall into this world and, and the things of it. We just pray that you would be with us this week. As, as we do leave here, will you help us to worship you uh, with everything, in everything, through everything. In your name we pray. Amen.